and praising you. Thank you for this time at the table uh, where we can contemplate things of you and your sacrifice. And now, Lord, as we turn our hearts to your word, we pray that we could be uh, changed uh, by the power of it. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Who had chores as a kid? Raise your hand if you had chores as a kid. All right. For those of you not raising your hand, someone needs to talk to your parents. Something's wrong with that. One of the chores that I had as a kid was vacuuming the carpet. Vacuuming the carpet. This might be why later in life I bought a house with all hardwood floors. But one of my chores all growing up was vacuuming, vacuuming our carpet through, through the house. And so one day my mom was, was leaving the house and f- to run some errands. She said, Darvin, when I get back home, I want you to have vacuumed the carpet. Okay, Mom. Now, I was, a, I was a pretty obedient kid. Not a, good car, not, not a good vacuumer, maybe not even an average vacuumer, but I was a pretty good and obedient kid, and so she was fully expecting to hear that I had indeed vacuumed by the time she got home. But let's imagine something just for a moment, particularly just for a second, that instead that this is how the conversation went when she got home. Darvin, did you vacuum the carpet? Well, Mom... After you left, I went up to my room, and I sat on my bed, and I thought about it. 15, 20 minutes just thinking about vacuuming the carpet. Okay, but did you then vacuum the carpet? Well, then I had some friends over, and we sat in the family room, and we talked about vacuuming the carpet and how it made me feel and how nice the house and clean the house would be if I did vacuum the carpet. But Darwin, did you vacuum the carpet? Well, after my friends went home, I memorized some of the owner's manual for the vacuum. Now, my mom is a a patient, patient woman. (laughs) But I think even she at that point would say, no, really, yes or no, Darvin, did you vacuum the carpet? And what if I said, well, no, but I thought about it. Our actions matter, don't they? Our actions matter. They carry weight. And so often in our faith, we can find ourselves in this kind of strange situation where we've maybe thought about an action, maybe, maybe learned about something in our faith for years without actually taking that step of action. And so this morning, I want to talk about action. And to begin, we're going to look at a passage in Acts, the one that was read earlier, Acts 4, verses 32 to 37. So if you've got a Bible with you this morning, you can turn, you can turn there with me. The author of Acts was Luke. It's one of Jesus' disciples. And he writes Acts to tell us about just the story of the very first Christian. Intriguing because it looked like what it did. And this passage in Acts 4 is really intriguing because in it, Luke actually describes some of the actions that the earliest church was up to. He begins talking about this early church in verse 32, saying all the believers were one in heart and mind. So earlier in Acts chapter 4, all the, the believers had gotten together and they had, they had prayed to God, God help us speak your word boldly. And God had, had empowered them through the Holy Spirit, filled them with the Holy Spirit to do just that. And so they're united in the Holy Spirit. They're united in this one central mission of speaking and witnessing to Jesus Uh, to the city around them. And now Luke is going to turn his attention to showing us that they're also united in their actions in the rest of this, this passage. And the first action that Luke describes then is how they shared their possessions. 
Into verse 32. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. The first church cared and they gave. They weren't satisfied to leave their faith as something that resided only in their minds. It actually changed the actions of their lives. They looked different than the people around them. And there's no other action that reveals our heart quite like what we do with our money. And these first Christians, they gave generously, they gave for others, and they gave for the mission of God. Beginning in verse 33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The next action we see the church taking is testifying. They're witnessing. They're telling this story of what they saw Jesus do, what they heard Jesus teach. They're telling people, hey, we saw Jesus live. We saw him die. We saw him resurrected. Luke writes with great power because telling other people about Jesus can be intimidating, but it's not just up to us. God empowers us through the Holy Spirit to tell others about Christ. And pay attention here to what they're testifying about. If you look at these verses, they're testifying to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Because our witness doesn't begin, its starting point isn't with ethics or a particular political stance. Our witness begins with telling people about this life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the love and forgiveness that he extends to us through that. Into verse 33. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone giving need. So in verse 32, Luke already told us that, that the first church was giving uh, their, their possessions, that they were taking this action of generous giving. But he comes back to it here to show us why. They were giving to care for others for the purpose of advancing the mission of the gospel. They were people of action. And you know what? There were a lot of needy people at this time in the city of Jerusalem. And 35, verse 35 tells us it was distributed, meaning the money that they gave, the possessions that they gave. It was distributed to anyone who had need. So not just those inside the church, but those outside the church as well. And as you track through the first 300 years of Christian history, what you'll find is that one of the reasons Christianity grew so quickly is that Christians over and over again prove the reality of their faith through action, through serving other people, that they were people of action. And then next, what Luke does is he actually gives us an example of one particular individual, one, one particular person of action in his faith. Verse 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So Barnabas was a teacher. Barnabas was a missionary. And if you read the rest of Acts, he comes up over and over and over again. He's kind of one of the, the characters of Acts. In the Old Testament, the tribe of Levi, those tribes that Israel was divided up into, the tribe of Levi, the Levites, they received no land allotment when God was giving all the tribe land. Instead, they were to serve in the temple. But Barnabas' family had been rather fortunate. They had somehow gathered wealth and were, were able to come into possession of a piece of property in the, lot, in the island of Cyprus. 
At the time, if you owned a piece of land, it became a revenue stream for your family. And so he's not just giving up land, he's giving up in his income. And this is a huge sacrifice that he's taking. So Barnabas acts as this, this great example of a Christian of action. And so this is what we see in Acts 4, 32 to 37. It tells us that this first church was filled with people of faith. A faith that was tangibly expressed and, and made evident through their actions. They were people of action. And we want to be people of action too. That's why one of the values here at South Suburban is action. Our value statement of action says this. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we will actively serve, care, and give to advance the mission of God. We can see each one of the aspects of, of this, this value statement here in Acts 4. Our, our value statement begins with this, this, this phrase, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And if you go back to Acts 4.31, the verse right before our passage, we read this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So the way the early church was able to act as they were, boldly, sacrificially, was because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And this tells each of us that when we're just thinking, ah, can I... Can I really do that for God? Is it, that seems hard. That seems like a stretch for me. That you can because it's not up to you. It's not just up to you and your willpower. Because the Holy Spirit lives within you and empowers us for those actions. And then as we go through Acts 4, this is what we see the early church doing. They served, they cared, they gave, and they did it all for the mission of God. They weren't content with just sitting around and talking and thinking about faith. They did it. They lived it. They were people of action. And we want to be people of action too. That's why we value action. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we'll actively serve, care, and give to advance the mission of God. Now, before we kind of jump into some of those actions we want to take a look at, I want to talk about the interaction between faith and action or faith and works because I think it's one of the most misunderstood things we have in our beliefs. So how do faith and action go together? Well, I want to explain it briefly, but just with a few equations. I know you didn't come here this morning thinking about math class, but we're going to look at this, this interaction between faith and actions, through the lens of, of three different equations. And the first equation is that of religion. Religion. This isn't the Jesus equation. He, looked, uh, he created a very different equation for us. But this is the equation of religion. That rules plus our action equals salvation. That at some point a prophet, a teacher through history came along and set down uh, a list of rules. And the harder we work at them, the more close we can become to salvation or enlightenment or, or forgiveness. But Jesus proposed a totally different equation. This is his. That Jesus' actions plus our faith equals salvation. This is what Ephesians 2.8 tells us, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Jesus' actions, his death and resurrection, and then our faith in him and his work. Life results in our salvation, meaning we receive a relationship with God, eternal life, we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive salvation. 
Now notice what's missing in this equation. Our actions. Our actions are nowhere in the equation of salvation. There's nothing we can do to earn our way to God. It's Jesus' actions plus our faith plus nothing. (laughs) Jesus' actions, our faith, and nothing else. It's an equation of grace. Our actions come into a very different equation, an equation we're all fairly familiar with, an equation of relationships. So in every relationship, when we know someone and we love them, that just naturally results in actions on their behalf, doesn't it? And when action is missing in a relationship, any relationship, then we know that something else in the equation is off and the relationship isn't healthy, that it's not actually just those actions. Megan and I have been, have been married for nine years, and I tell her I love her every single day. But what if, instead of buying her flowers and chocolate, I started selling her favorite possessions on Craigslist? What if instead of taking her on dates, I decided to leave without warning for the next year to join the circus? What if all of my words said, I love you, but all of my actions say, no, I don't? We've got a problem in our relationship, don't we? My relationship with my wife isn't earned by my actions, but I'll tell you what, in every relationship, our actions tell us a whole lot about our love for that other person. So this is the relationship equation. And when it comes to God, knowing God and loving God, it just naturally results in real action in our lives on his behalf. Just like for me, knowing my wife, loving my wife, results in acting on her behalf with God. Actions are a natural outcome of any relationship, including the one we have with God. Our actions don't earn salvation. Instead, they result in and act as evidence for our love and faith for him. Actions are a response of thankfulness and gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. It's how every relationship works. And so like in other relationships, a a lack of action isn't just a problem of action. It's an indication that something else is going on in the relationship. That's why we read verses like James 2.26. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Not because we earn it, but because we know that a faith without action is just a dead relationship. But it's really easy to allow our faith to get stuck only in our heads. We live in a time of unprecedented access to and a quantity of Christian knowledge. Christian books, research, journals, videos. There are over 900,000 Christian books that you can buy on Amazon.com this afternoon. 900,000. That's an incredible amount of knowledge. And this unending source of knowledge at our fingertips gives us this temptation to make acquiring knowledge as the only pinnacle of our faith to pursuing knowledge about God as the singular, as the only way to grow in our faith. So there are far too many Christians who have managed to attend classes and read books and think about faith for decades who don't look substantially different than their non-Christian neighbors that they live around when it comes to real action, serving, caring, giving in the name of Christ. 
We may very well may be the most overtaught and underapplied Christians to have ever lived. It can be like attending driver's ed for years on end without actually buying a car and getting around to driving. But then we read scriptures like 1 John 3.18, which says, Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And James 1.22, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. We can't afford to allow our faith to get stuck only in our minds. We must be people of action. We must do what the word says. We must love with actions. Not, just, not because our actions earn us salvation. Not because our actions earn us anything. But because if we know and love Jesus, we well naturally act on his behalf. For many of us here today, that next step in our faith, that next step in our faith is not another exercise of the mind. For many of us here, that next step in our faith is a step of action. Our journey of faith is a lot like a staircase. And I believe this morning that God is calling us each to take just that next step one step. It's going to be different for each of us, but what's that next one step for you? Maybe there's something that God's put on your heart and mind. Maybe there's an opportunity that's come up that you've been thinking about, praying about, and God's really saying, you know what? Take that one step. Take that one step. But there's so much that can keep us from taking that next step. For some of us, we're looking 10, 20 steps up. 10, 20 steps down the line, we're seeing that Christian who seems like they got it all together and saying, man, I can't jump all the way up there. And so we stay on the step we're at. Or maybe for some of us, we're not taking that next step because of some past mistakes in our lives. We've been there. We've been three or four steps further, but at some point, something happened and we just, we took a fall. And now that those past mistakes are just They're freezing us. They're paralyzing us from being able to take that next one step. Or maybe for some of us, we've never taken the first step. We've never come to have faith in Jesus. And if you're standing on the bottom of the staircase looking at that first step or looking way beyond, and maybe you're you're looking up and you're seeing some Christians that are well down the road in their faith, and you're thinking, man, I've never thought that way about Morals like those Christians do, or I've never got involved in a church and that feels intimidating, or you know, I don't have it together. And listen, you're looking 10 steps down the road when Jesus is just asking you about one step. And that first step is a simple one believing that Jesus really did die and resurrect from the grave to forgive you of the wrongs of your life so you can restore that relationship with God. Listen, if that's you, faith is taking that first step even when you can't see the top of the staircase. And you can take that step today. Whatever it is, maybe you've been standing still for a while in your faith. But the thing is, you were created for that next step. Ephesians 2.10 tells us, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This morning, just think about that one next step. Not 10, 15, 20 steps down the road. That next one step of action that God might be calling you to this morning. What's that next step for you? Remember that statement, that value statement? We value action. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, we will actively serve, care, and give to advance the mission of God. Well, we want to make it really easy for you to take that next step. 
You know, it's so, it's so tempting just to be able to say, ah, yeah, I, I'm thinking about it. I might do it and then go home to lunch and then we spend another week just thinking. But you can take that next step today. And so as a staff, we just came up with a, a simple idea, this, this Action Sunday. And after the service, you can go out into the fellowship hall right across the hallway. And, and there are all sorts of opportunities where we've made it easy and obvious for you to get more information for and, and sign up for, for just a tangible action of your faith, both inside this church and outside of it. You don't have to spend another week thinking thinking about whether you're going to take that step. So maybe for you, the next step is, is caring for our kids. And after the service, you can head right across the hall to the fellowship hall. We'll have some, some goodies and things over there. And, and, and you can sign up to help with our kiddos, our great children's ministry, or, or even just learn a little more about it and what that might look like. Or maybe for you, it's, it's serving outside of these walls with those less fortunate than you. God's put that on your heart for a little while, but you've never quite taken that step. And this morning, you don't have to get lost in your mind again with that idea. You can actually go across and, and learn about Providence House or learn about uh, North Littleton Promise and sign up on the spot to be able to really serve and care outside of these walls and those incredible ministries that, that serve those and just need. You can do that this morning. You don't have to wait. Or maybe it's serving our church through signing up to be a, a greeter, a coffee cafe team member. Because you remember that first time you walked in here and how important it was that someone greeted you with a smile and a handshake or a hug. And, and you want to be that for someone else. You can walk across the hall in the fellowship hall this morning and sign up to do just that. Or maybe it's caring for our youth. And Spencer will be, be there for you to learn more about how you can get involved serving and caring for our youth and all the great things that our youth ministry is doing. Or maybe for you, the next step is the very first step. It's finding that faith in Christ. And if you even just want to have a conversation about that, even if you're just not sure about that, I'm going to be over there in the fellowship hall, and I would love to talk with you and pray for you about that this morning. Here's the thing. God is always calling us to that next one step. And this morning, we have opportunities for you to do just that. And, you know, as I look around, I, can, I see a lot of people who already do serve in areas. And if that's you, just, just join us in the fellowship hall to get acquainted with other areas that maybe you don't know a lot about yet in our church. But it's so important that instead of running this afternoon, that when this service ends, that we head across and all spend some time uh, just, just learning and engaging and maybe even signing up for, for, for one of those opportunities so that we can serve, care, and give. Because you know what? We don't want our faith to get just stuck in our heads. What's your next step? You can take it this morning because we will be people of action. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, thank you for all uh, these people in this room, Lord. We pray that uh, you would always just be placing that next step on our heart that through your Holy Spirit, you'd help us overcome uh, complacency and, and, and comfort and intimidation and that we could, we could take that next one step. Please help us do that even this morning, Lord Jesus. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Will you stand?